You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 315th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it's our 973rd episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of November 2nd, 2023. I'm your host, Brian Tonsoni. And let's begin... And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. Tonight, uh, we don't have a banner moment, uh, but rather we honor the life of the man who is responsible for hanging three national championship banners, Coach Bob Knight. Coach Knight passed away Wednesday at the age of 83. People may have varying opinions of Coach Knight, but there is no denying his greatness as a basketball coach and leader of the Indiana basketball program from 1971 to 2000. Motion offense, man-to-man defense, winning Many of us Indiana fans have spent the last 24 hours remembering Indiana basketball under the leadership of Coach Knight. We've been thinking about the wins, the one-liners, his appreciation of officiating, and his appreciation of the media, but also the connections many of us had with our family members and friends which centered around Indiana basketball, coached by Bob Knight. We remember Channel 4, Martha the Mop Lady, Of course, 1976, 1981, 1987. I personally remember the 4,000 friends I met at the fountain after the championship in 1987. We remember the feeling that we will not be beat. We remember Sweet Georgia Brown being played by the pep band as we enter Assembly Hall. And we remember those sport coats, those plaid pants, and then the sweaters. There will be a lot of stories, praises, criticisms of Coach Knight over the next few weeks and a variety of sources, but tonight, join us here at AC Radio in a night of celebrating all that was right about Coach Knight. May you rest in peace, Coach. Thanks for the memories. Okay, let me introduce our co-host for uh, for this evening. Um, We're not going to have intro music. Um, We're just going to start talking about Coach Knight. Uh, So joining me tonight will be Coach uh, Tony Adrania and Ryan Phillips. And, and Ryan, we'll come to you first. Um, your your thoughts um, on the passing of Coach Knight? Well, you know, look, I, I wrote an article about it today for the big lead to recommend anybody uh, go read it about, you know, Coach Knight's legacy is is complicated. Um, and, and I think that it's – I have a different perspective on him than you guys do because I didn't grow up with him. Uh, I came to Indiana three years after he was gone. Um, obviously, I knew Indiana basketball. I knew Coach Knight. I knew everything about it. Being on the West Coast, I mean, he was—they were one of the national brands of college basketball. Um, but I, you know, I, I missed the 
and I don't mean this in a negative context, but I missed the hero worship. I missed the sort of mythic status of him. He was a basketball coach, just like John Wooden was a basketball coach, just like Dean Smith was a basketball coach, um, Coach K, you know, those guys um, to me. And and I, I certainly got to know what Bob Knight meant to so many people when I arrived in Indiana. And over the last 20 years, um, pretty much from my first year in Indiana, I I wound up being rather close to the program, whether covering it or knowing people who knew him or knowing, you know, people who were in, involved in the program. And it's been that way for 20, more than 20 years now. And, and I, I've grown an appreciation for everybody's personal stories about him, the good and the bad. And, um, I, I, there are two things I want to, I want to talk about and, and they're both stories about him. And one was, uh, I won't say who it was because of what he said, but I was working out at, at my gym in San Diego and I was wearing an Indiana shirt as I do every time I go exercise. And, uh, somebody came up to me, it was an older gentleman. And he said, did you, did you go to Indiana? And it's strange running into somebody in San Diego who went to Indiana. And, and I said, yeah, I did. And we started talking and, I told him I was in sports media and all this. And he said, oh, and he kind of sheepishly, he didn't want to tell me, but he said, I, I was on the 1960 Indiana basketball team. And you guys would all know who he was, but I'm going to leave his name out. Um, and so I started asking about that season. I knew Ohio State won the national title and there were some games between them. And, and that basically decided who was going to win, going to go uh, to the tournament and, and potentially just win the national title. And he, t- he, he gushed about Jerry Lucas and John Havlicek. And, and then I asked him, well, what about Knight? And he just, his face just sank and he was, and then he kind of grinned and he was like, that guy would not stop effing talking during the game. Even when he was sitting on the bench, he's like, and then he'd get in, he just run into everybody. He's like, he had no skill. And, uh, and then he stopped and he kind of looked at me. He's like, but he was, he was brilliant. He was brilliant. And that was all he said. And I think that is coach Knight. I mean, he was kind of a bull in the China shop. Um, and he, and he was very loud and you knew he was in the room and he also was a genius and, and, and for better or worse, those things uh, are, are what defines coach Knight. And the one other story I'll tell is my dad got a chance to listen to Jerry Lucas speak and they were at Ohio state at the same time, Jerry Lucas hall of famer, three-time all American, let him do a national, let Ohio state to a national championship. And I'm not sure if they were roommates or they were just close. I, I don't remember that part of the story, but he said that Lucas would talk about how he'd go play and he'd play 35 minutes and just be exhausted. And he's, you know, leading them to victories and everything. And Knight would barely play, he'd be on the bench. And he'd go back to his room at night. And Jerry Lucas didn't want to think about basketball after, you know, putting in so much. He just wanted to sleep. And Knight would keep him up all night asking about talking, trying to get him to talk about every single play from the play with an encyclopedic memory. He'd remember where everybody was every time, even a play where nobody scored or anything. He would just, he would want to dissect every little permutation of the game. And Lucas just like, dude, I just want to go to bed. And Knight would keep him up all night going over every single thing. And again, that's Bob Knight. I mean, he is, he was a genius, just an absolute genius who took the motion offense that he didn't, a lot of people think he invented it. He didn't, he just perfected it and, and was able to take something that existed and make it. And I'll say this as somebody from the outside looking and watching his teams play, I always felt when Indiana was at its best, it was like music and he was the conductor. Um, those teams were almost perfect when they were run right. And so the respect I have for him as a basketball mind is tremendous. Um, there's other 
things that it, it, for another time to discuss about his legacy. But if we're just remembering the man uh, who brought joy to a lot of people that I hold dear, uh, his ability as a coach and on the basketball court um, were just was just unparalleled. And and people have said it today. He might be the greatest coach of all time. It's hard to quantify who, what, where, how you line those guys up. But the fact that he's in that conversation says all you need to know. And, and Tony, um, Tony Adrania, creator and uh, and the innovator of the the film room in our community. Um, your thoughts on the passing of of Coach Knight when you, when you heard that yesterday? Yeah, I mean it's it's one of those things that I think a lot of people knew was you know on the horizon you know for the last couple of months, and it's still shocking when you read it, when you see it, when you you know you know that he's he's not around, just like you know any death, and it's you know, immediately goes back to like reflection and, you know, just like everybody else. I mean, you saw, you saw it on Twitter all day. You know, I think we've, we've all talked about it in some capacity, perhaps all day to folks around us, our friends, our families, um, you know, and it's just, it's one of those things where for, you know, so for me, I, I was born in 1990. Uh, you know, I've, I've not seen an IU national championship. I was around for 10 years of the Bob Knight era my family had just moved to Indiana. Um, they were all born in Illinois in 1989. So they weren't huge IU fans and, until my sis, my oldest sister went to IU in 1998. And, you know, that's when I got interested in the IU basketball program. So for me, um, you know, my growing up wasn't like, you know, Bob Knight was revered or anything like that. It was kind of absorbed. And, you know, I wrote about it today in the film room. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't really, my biggest, my first memory of Bob Knight was when he was fired. Like, that's the one, like, I remember my sister went and she was holding up her phone and I could hear the crowd um, and all kinds of different things. And like, that's my first memory. But now I, I know so much about him. And it really started when I started coaching basketball myself. My first year, I was handed the middle school program. As a head coach, I didn't know what I was doing. I thought I was going to know everything, as we all do when we're young and dumb. And I remember just kind of sitting there after our first game. We had gotten thumped. We looked terrible. And I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing. And so, like, the first thing that popped in my head, it was just like, best coach of all times, Bob Knight. I'm just going to look for any and every resource I can find from Bob Knight. And I, I think I shared four or five today in the film room of just like awesome like just for leadership not even coaching basketball it could be coaching football it could be leading a company like everything he said and did in terms of how he operated on all the resources i found have helped me in my professional career as much as they helped me in coaching and again there's there's layers to him just like there is to every individual in the world um but at the end of the day the guy was an absolute basketball tactician. I've watched hundreds and hundreds of, of old IU games. Uh, shout out to Galen Clavio uh, <laughs> for the numerous on YouTube. But um, and so I understand, you know, that who Coach Knight was in the basketball community, um, and then you know all my friends and families, and just you know growing into a man and understanding how how much he meant to so many people. Um, you know, it's, it's a sad day and, and you see the grief and so many folks that were brought joy by the teams that Bob Knight 
coach. Um, you know, and, and that's been my biggest takeaway today. I'm I'm absolutely sad to hear of Coach Knight's passing, but really I'm more empathetic for the folks that you know some of their core memories of their life were brought to them because of Coach Knight and the grief that they have now. So that's kind of where I'm at today and, and my initial thoughts on it. Yeah. You know, Brian, one thing that I, that I wanted to add, and yes, it's a formal occasion. I'm calling you Brian, not coach. Um, <laughs> That's all right. I, I uh, you know, I, a, a couple years ago, it was, it was 2020. We had planned the meetup for the Purdue game months ahead of time. And we just said, you know what, let's just do it for Purdue. I think that'll be fun. We'll do a post game show, all that. And about a week beforehand, we started getting whispers. It was a surprise, but a week beforehand, we were it was kind of leaked to us as we'd all already planned to be there, had our reservations and everything. That night was going to come back at halftime, and it that had been whispered that it was going to happen previously and didn't, because um, we've been told the same thing a few months earlier. Uh, that did. I remember that weekend we got into town. And we were all at Nick's hanging out and we look across the table and Keith Smart and Dean Garrett are sitting at the edge of the bar at Nick's and we're like, oh, he's coming back. And you started seeing <laughs> players filtering through Nick's old, you know, all time greats. And, you know, I, I remember being at that halftime and uh, a few dozen of his players came out, we, you know, came back just for that. I mean, it felt like there were 100 players on the floor. I don't remember what the exact numbers were. And then to see him come back. I mean, I'm so lucky that I got to that I got to be there for that. And I, I, I feel, you know, I watching it on TV for so many people, I'm sure was cathartic and, and was great for them. Um, but being able to be there and feel that, and I'm sad that they couldn't give them a better game, uh, you know, and, and, and I felt that that crowd was ready, ready to be the loudest, you know, ever. And they wound up just losing, but I, just that moment, seeing him come back out on the floor and embrace his players. And I didn't just feel good for him. I didn't just feel good for the program. I felt good for all of those players who had felt like they couldn't come back to Indiana because they might have been betraying their coach. And so many of them had not been back. And the 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 fact that that was just sort of a melting of ice and sort of everybody came together. And now, given that he's passed away, we were so lucky that that got to happen because there's a world in which that never happens. Even if he's forgiven people, even if he's hanging out at baseball games or whatever, there's a world in which he never gets that moment. And uh, I, I think we're all very lucky that that happened uh, when it did. And he got to spend the last couple of years uh, visiting practice and things like that, as it should have as it should have long been. Yeah, uh, you, you both bring up a, a couple things where where his passing hit me. Number one was the family connections. Um, you know, I, I remember. Uh, it takes you back to how my dad and I lost my dad in 2004. My dad sat me down when I was eight or nine years old and said, hey, there's this coach at Indiana, and he's very disciplined, and he's running good defense, and we're going to sit down and turn on Channel 4 every time they play. Um, and and I, I, I've said a numerous times on the show and, and and that, you know, I've been alive for the last three championships, and, and I remember seeing them. And, and, and then when your coach, uh, you know, Bob Knight – you see him for that success uh, and, and from far away you don't hear all the other stuff and, and he's just the coach that gets the players to play in a way uh and and, and that's meaningful and and a championship style of play but when when you hear of that passing it automatically brought me back to all those memories of my dad and I watching games together 
Um, the phone call he made to me uh, the night of the championship game in 1987, uh, I was a sophomore. He asked me if I was had milk and cookies ready. <laughs> and I said, you remember that conversation, Coach? Because I I, I'm I, kind of disappointed do. if you do. <laughs> I, no, I do because it was so great. And there were two conversations with my dad. Um, one was, do you have your milk and cookies ready? I said, Dad, I'm not going to lie. The keg is on ice, and we're ready to roll. <laughs> <laughs> and then – and then afterwards, um, I'd stayed up all night, made it to the fountain, uh, walked to campus the next day, and he called and he goes, just tell me what it was like. Just just tell me. And, I, I mean, I'll get choked up, you know. Um, Coach Knight was able to give me that with my dad. And, and, and I know the legacy stuff needs to be talked about, and at some point all of that is, is real and true and part of who Coach Knight is. But his success gave something to my dad and I that lasted until my dad passed away, and it's still with us, you know, because when I go down and walk in Assembly Hall, I do it for my dad. Um, I think those are things that fans are going through too. And, and you know, the fans that, that maybe are on the other end of the spectrum and, and, and really were bothered by Coach Knight, that they're okay too. They have that right to do that. But I think there's a lot of us who had those family uh, type, type of memories um, and, and I was at that Purdue game and to see, see his look and those players look as a coach, uh, uh, Tony, you know, this too. Um, the thing that I miss most about not coaching is that player coach interaction. And they were happy to have him back in the hall. And he was really happy. I was glad that he could get to a point of forgiveness, at least to come back. Uh, I think that was a important thing, but you know, there's just so much from the basketball, from the behind-the-scenes things that he did that he that he never got credit for, uh, to to the love of his players that um, to, that make for a, a great story, uh, piece of that uh, in in his memory. So um, we're, we're going to yeah, talk a lot I, about that uh, all yeah. all segment. We got Rick Bozich coming on here in segment two. We're going to go through a lot of memories. Uh, chat, uh, put your thoughts in there. Um, it, it's good. It's helpful. It's cathartic to to, to share those things and. Uh, it, at the end, uh, we didn't have it, uh, many questions in the new Substack thing, but if you have something, we will address that maybe on the back end. Uh, go ahead, Ryan. Yeah, I just think that, you know, there is a lot of talk about his legacy today, and we won't get, again, too deep into specifics. But I will say that I, I think the lesson of Coach Knight, for me at least, is that human beings are complex, like all of us. He was complicated. He wasn't one thing. You know, he wasn't just this coach. He wasn't just this guy that had these terrible reports about him. He wasn't just this guy who raised millions for charity. He wasn't just this. He wasn't just a dad. Like he had so many aspects to who he was. And I think judging him on one of those aspects without considering the others, uh, even if it's good as, as opposed to bad or bad opposed to good, like it's you wouldn't want to be judged that way either. And so I, I do think that he's a very complex and maybe <laughs> He's like everybody else, but more so, I, th I, th I think, is the, is the Bob Knight thing. And I, I, I just think that he was human. And he was one of the most human people uh, I've ever sort of covered or, or talked about or, or researched. I mean, he just he was as flawed as the rest of us. And um, his flaws were just prominently on display, as were his great qualities, um, so I, I think that, you know, it's a confusing thing to talk about for many people and that's never going to change. We're going to have this conversation forever about him. Um, but I think that, you know, over the last 24 hours, just seeing how much he meant to so many people is, uh, I think would, would make him happy. Um, yeah. 
Absolutely. And and I think that that's 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 the most important thing right now is how how many staggering numbers of people he affected and and either brought to basketball or like you and your dad brought you guys together or the the product he produced how it changed lives and um so I think it's it's really important to to remember that at a time like this is this was a guy who had an impact on a lot of people and Tony I'm gonna uh, come back yeah I'm go ahead. sorry. I'm no, go ahead. Go. That, that was I was done. I, I yeah, read, I was done. I read so many things and watched so many posts and everything. I'm confused. I want to give uh, appropriate sourcing too. But there, there was a, a line that said he was who he was. I, I, it might have been in the Athletic or or the Indy Star. Two great articles, by the way. Um, you know, he was who he was, and, and that's a beauty because sometimes we all are guilty of trying to be something we're not uh, to to fit in here or to to meet this. You know. Uh, characteristic or qualification that we think he he was who he was and, and that's an honorable honorable thing um tony i'm gonna uh, do some uh stuff here some housekeeping here but i'm gonna come to you right afterwards i, I, I want to know from a basketball coach what is a one or two of your major takeaways when you did that study i know i'm gonna go watch the film room uh but but if you could give a little highlight of that or just share something uh coaching uh perspective because uh, I blame Coach Knight for my stubbornness with man-to-man defense and refusing to play zone. It probably cost me a few games in my high school career. But If I'm only you'd sure. been a Syracuse fan. <laughs> and, and I'm sure as hell glad right now that I didn't cave in uh, and play too, too much zone. But here's what we're going to do uh, tonight on the show. We're, we got some Hoosier headlines, just some information about how Indiana is going to honor uh, Coach Knight and, and a couple of, of things in-house with the Back Home Network. Uh, segment two is going to be all remembering Co- uh, Coach Knight. We're going to uh, go back and tell some stories. Rick Bozich, who was there as a student reporter, uh, will join us um, and, and share some of his stories. And then segment three, if we have any questions in the chat or anything like that, we'll just we'll, we'll wrap that up. Um, we do need to talk about our presenting sponsor. I'm not going to play the music or anything. Uh, I don't think that's just appropriate tonight, but this edition of Assembly Call Radio, just like everything else on the Back Home Network, is presented by our friends at Home Field Apparel. Uh, you, you know the story. A lot of a good collegiate gear, um, even some Indianapolis Colts stuff, bomber jackets and all that. You know it's good quality. They're our friends. We appreciate them. Um, you know, go go to homefieldapparel.com, uh, home23, all that stuff. Uh, thanks to Home Field. Um, but but we're going to move on tonight um, and and talk about our headlines. So um, just a little bit about what we read. Uh, some statements have come out. I've gotten some in the email and, and social media. Uh, Indiana will honor the memory of Coach Knight uh, by wearing an RMK patch with three stars for his uh, three championships on both men's and women's team. And, and, and Coach Allen said that I think they're going to wear a decal on their helmets as well honoring coach um there will be a moment of silence uh, before friday's game against marion and on saturday in in advance of the iu football game uh also um friday night's game against marion there will be quotes from uh former players coaches managers staff members uh other people involved uh, who have been around coach night they'll be showcased uh, in assembly hall on the video board during pregame and timeouts throughout the game and uh, I think they'll be doing a lot of that honoring throughout the years is, is what I'm reading. Uh, and then out of respect for the family's wishes and desire for privacy, there's probably there's not going to be a public uh, a memorial planned by IU Athletics or the Indiana University. Uh, there are some uh, places to donate to Alzheimer's and uh, University of Marion if you're looking to make a donation in Coach Knight's um, name. Uh, I do want to take the time to say this. Um, 
rivalries, you know, um, the Purdue people up here were awesome today to me. I mean, a lot of people came in my room. I got emails. These are some of the diehard people that just annoy the crap out of me on a day-to-day basis. But they put that beside, um, you know, coming in, checking on me, and, and doing those things. And then the moment of silence uh, before the Purdue exhibition game, you know, they'll go by hopefully back uh, to that awesome, awesome, awful cheer that they do about us. But for a moment there, um, there was a lot of class that I do appreciate uh, from them. From the Back Home Network, during the work uh, is back up and running. Their first show was last night. If you want to go catch that in our Substack, um, we have some new stuff coming. We have a new podcast here uh, coming up. We have our new uh, place, assemblycall.substack.com, where we're locating all our paid community and some free information. So make sure you check that out. Uh, and Indiana will be honoring uh, Bill Garrett at the season opener against Florida Gulf Coast um, next Tuesday. So, okay, um, Tony, coming back to you real quick, and and then we'll um, take a quick break and, and, and get Rick Bozich in to join us um, for segment two. Coaching, what did you take away in your study there of Coach Knight? Yeah, I mean, there's there's so much. And, and what's funny is, like, the clips that I showcased were – six minutes, seven minutes, six minutes. There is one that's an hour and a half, but you know, there's so much in like a six minute frame where you're just like constantly jotting down notes of like, wow, I never thought of that. So one that stands out to me, cause I feel like most people that have coached will, will understand or played was, you know, most of it's just by nature. Like you heard your coach say it. So then you say it as a coach, but offense to defense, defense out. That's how you rotate basically through a drill. Offense to defense, defense out. So, like, I've always done that. I never really thought about why I've done that. Well, in one of his – or why coaches do that, but Bob Knight specifically said in one of his videos that he's that meticulous about it because you're going to play offense, and then when you're on defense, you're going to be a little bit tired, and he wants you to play defense tired, and that's why he has a defense – you go second defense, and then you rotate out. Like, I never thought about that, but he was so meticulous – and how he designed his practices, how he just in every single thing that he did. And, you know, part of that's the military background of him. But, I mean, he was so meticulous in his preparation for every single thing that he did that he, like, he thought about that. Um, you know, I I just did it because, it, you know, it was what my, my coach in high school did, and it, it had a nice little ring to it. Um, but, you know, he thought about that. So that was something that was, um, you know, really interesting to me. Uh, you know, he had said constantly emphasize points going from one drill to another. What we work on today is what we're going to work on tomorrow. So essentially saying like what's important to the team to win. We're not going to just work on it once and then it's forgotten about. It's it's emphasized every single day and, you know, says you are what you emphasize. So whatever you're what, you know, whatever the points are that Indiana basketball was going to be good at, the team was getting those emphasized day in, day out, with uh, lots of enthusiasm, if you will, from, from Coach Knight. So those those were a couple a couple other funny quotes that I had, had jotted down in my notes. Um, he, he he was ma- getting mad at Uve on, on something because he was – they were supposed to be doing game-like shots, and Uve you know, was just kind of half-assing it, essentially, for lack of better terms. And uh, so he just started screaming at Uve. He's, Pretend that King Kong's guarding you, like just <laughs> screaming about King Kong in practice, and so that was pretty funny. And then he said, you know, when you're, he said there was a couple times our team would lose two or three games in a row, and he wanted them to know that he cared a, but like he had a message for them. So 
uh, I, a message I had never heard before, and maybe it's just because I'm young um, and naive, but that he said when the team had lost a couple games in a row that he messaged, told them was, when you're up to your ass in alligators, remind yourself that your initial objective was to drain the swamp. And that's really, you know, I've never heard that one before, and the metaphor there is, is uh, you know, interesting to me because I hadn't heard it, but it, it sends the message home of, of um, you know, you're, you're fighting through adversity and it's really hard to get lost in the minute details, but, you know, let's see the bigger picture of, of what we're trying to accomplish here. And that's, that's draining the swamp. So those are a couple of big ones. You know, if you want 70% results, you can't take 40% shots. Um, you know, essentially saying that, you know, if you're going to go half speed at something, or if you're going to do something poorly, you can't expect in your preparation, you can't expect to, to play well the next day. And then the last one, you know, you got to be a flexible leader if you're going to be an effective leader. Um, and I think that's what he doesn't get enough credit for. Cause yes, he had the motion offense. Yes. He had the man to man defense, but you know, a lot of people forget they, they beat the UNLV running rebels by running right with them. Yeah. Uh, you know, and no one and thought so, that was going to happen. They thought it was exactly. going to slow down. Uh, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, if you, those if are some big coach, ones there. If you're a coach in Indiana, you know, I go back to all my practice plans. There is so much uh, Coach Nightbender's coaching clinics, just a, a world of information from just an excellent uh, basketball mind. But stick with us uh, here on Assembly Call Radio. Uh, in the next sec- segment, um, Rick Bozich will join us, and we continue to remember Coach Bob Knight. So stick with us here on the Assembly Call. Hi guys. Hi Rick, how we doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. Um, thanks for joining us tonight. Um, thanks for having me, man. I listen to every episode, so appreciate it. Love to always have you, Rick. Um, uh, your, story gonna, your story was great today, by the we're way. We're just going to go with Thank the flow. I, I got a couple topics sure. in there if we need them, but. Um, you know, we'll, we'll feed off you and, uh, we'll just go around about stay as long as you want. Um, and, um, real quick, Brian, yeah. uh, Tony, your mic is picking up everything. So just when you're not talking, be sure to mute. Cause it, you were clicking something and you could hear it. I don't know why your mic was so sensitive this time, but it was, is it still, I had on a, I had on like an echo cancellation and I don't know if that was messing with it. I can hear a little, but it's not, it's not as bad now, but it was really. So just, yeah, I mean, just be sure to mute when you're off, but it's not, it's not like huge, but you can definitely hear it. Uh, so gotcha. about podcast. Yep. For sure. So cool. all right, here we go, gentlemen, let's get into it. Segment two. Hi, this is AJ Moye. What's the only thing better than upsetting Duke in the sweet 16? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach for the assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. Welcome back to the assembly call. I'm Brian Tonsoni here with Ryan Phillips and Coach Adranya. And joining us is another uh, part of that clip. But uh, with Ryan Phillips, Coach Adranya, and, and Rick Bozich, as we remember uh, Coach Knight. Bob Knight passed away uh, yesterday at the age of 83, and we're just spending the night remembering some of the positive uh, contributions, a lot of the positive contributions that Coach Knight made to Indiana University, to the game of basketball, and just to the people that uh, that he touched in, in this night of 
Remember, it's Rick. Uh, welcome. Uh, your your initial thoughts when um, you you heard the the word. Uh, we all kind of knew it was headed in this direction, but how are you feeling uh, about uh, the passing of Coach Knight? Uh, just a lot of different emotions and memories just flowing. Such an important. I mean, he's the biggest sports personality that has been in my career, my entire career, because uh, I've worked in this area my entire career. Uh, and going to IU, I started as a freshman in 1971, which was the year he started and Assembly Hall opened. Um, and all my, a lot of my friends are friends I made in college and follow IU basketball. We talk about IU basketball all year round. Uh, and we always talked about Coach Knight and, you know, watched the way his entire career unfolded and what happened. And um, you know, just, I talked to a lot of them on, on, on the phone today, just in texting about, you know, remember this, or remember this, remember this day, the time he shot the starter's pistol at Russ Brown, or remember the time that <laughs> I was on the plane and, uh, in Iowa and I showed up late for the bus by about 10 minutes and they almost left me in the parking lot in Iowa city and on and on and on. A classic night move from what I've heard from other journalists. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so, and Bob Hamill is a guy I worked for for 18 months, and nobody knows Bob Hamill. I mean, Bob Knight better than Bob Hamill. They were best friends. I worked at the – here's a funny story. I, went, I worked at the Herald Telephone for a year and a half, uh, and I covered Edgewood High School for a while, and then Bob would let me come to IU games and do sidebars. And Bob Knight and Bob Hamill were uh, really best friends. They'd go to high school basketball games together – uh, looking at recruits, they go out after a game. He, Bob Hamill would come back to the paper and write a story. There weren't computers back then; there were typewriters, uh, and uh, they'd go get you know a piece of cherry pie and a glass of milk somewhere because neither guy was a drinker. And uh, at one night, I was in the office writing up a story about the Edgewood High School Mustangs, a selectric typewriter, and I noticed this huge, imposing figure behind my right shoulder, and it's Coach Knight, and he reached down and grabbed the piece of paper out of the typewriter and pulled it out. And he goes, this might be the biggest piece of crap I've ever read and wadded it up in a paper ball and threw it in the trash. And I was like, <laughs> and he slapped me on the back and goes, just kidding. Get back to work. kid." <laughs> you're like, you're like, Coach, I know that, but hey. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I could go on forever. Just so so you put that piece of paper back in and started over again. Didn't even. I should have saved it and kept it. You know, I still yeah. had the program from the first game. I did go to the first game and sit in the balcony against Ball State. And I remember uh, the players on that team. I, I wrote about some of my column. But, you know, Indiana had, had a long dry spell. And then, you know, Lou Watson was the coach and then they got Jerry Oliver and they brought McGinnis in and Downing from Indianapolis, Washington. Everybody thought everything was going to, you know, take off and it, and it didn't. Uh, and, and they made a change and brought coach Knight in and then McGinnis went pro. He didn't get to coach McGinnis. He got to coach Downing. And that first team, he had like Downing, Bootsy White, Kim Pemberton, John Ritter, who was an undersized guy who played forward and could really shoot. Um, Frank Wilson, who later became a doctor, um, Jerry Memring was another guy who still comes to the games, at least he used to, sit there uh, opposite the visiting bench. Uh, and they weren't super talented, but, man, you'd go in there and it's like, these guys, man, they really play hard. They really play defense. They set screens. It was a different way for Indiana to play basketball. <clears throat> and I remember 
clearly, I think it was the fourth game. I, I looked it up yesterday. It was the fourth game that first year. Uh, Indiana played Kentucky at Freedom Hall down here. And I was a student. And, and back then, you know, the games were on Channel 4. And in the dorm, there's one TV. It was in the common area of different parts. I lived in right quad. And we all went down there and watched the game on black and white TV. And Indiana upset a number seven Kentucky team that was really good with Steve Downing. And then people saying, this dude can coach. I mean, this dude, it was like 90 to 89 was the score. And they had already beaten Kansas, which, which was ranked number 14. And then they beat Kentucky. And they didn't go to the tournament that year because in those days only one team went. But they did go to the NIT. And then the next year is when it really, you know, he got Buckner. And, uh, you know, people, they talk about the three championship teams. But his coaching job in 73, he had Jimmy Cruz and Quinn Buckner, freshman guards. And they went to the Final Four and had UCLA on the ropes. And Steve Downing got a bad call or they might have won that game. So, I mean, he showed very early that this dude, this dude was a was a coach. Well, it is it is interesting. He had a lot of near misses. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. 73, 75. Uh, you could say 80 was one of his best teams to not win a championship. If Woodson uh, hadn't hurt his back, they might have won a championship. 93, if Alan doesn't hurt his knee, yeah. might have won a championship. And then he gets fired in 2000. And 2002 was the year that that, I mean, that team with, you know, all respect to Mike Davis, with the right coaching and, and right system might, be a championship team so uh you think about his 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 record might have been even far greater than we look at it now um rick you were obviously around in in 2000 when he was let go did you ever think he would come back i know 2020 we, we were all there i mean did you did you think that would happen eventually a lot because i i've talked to a lot of people say eventually it was going to happen and i've talked to a lot of people said not yeah i thought hell would freeze over first and i i was just i was just curious at what your thought was on that you know, I, I did not think he would come back. And I say that from talking to other people. Um, Dick Vitale tried relentlessly to get him to come back. And Every said, year. <laughs> uh, like, if you ask me that one more time, I'm never going to talk to you again. Quit quit bringing it up. Um, you know, I remember Billis, I asked him about it once. He didn't think it was going to happen. Uh, I talked to Quinn Buckner, and, you know, he, wouldn't, he didn't say it wasn't going to happen. But I remember talking to him very clearly in 2016 when they had the anniversary of the 76 team and Quinn and, and Bobby Wilkerson and, and Scott May were there. And uh, Quinn said, you know, he, he's not going to come. He doesn't want to come. Uh, and and I, I, I didn't think it was going to happen, but you know, I'm very happy that it did happen. I think we all are. Because yeah. otherwise this would be a, a more, uh, it'd be a, just a different mood about everything, a different conversation. And, Cause you guys were there, I think that night, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and we, we were just talking about before you came on, we had planned that for like eight months and, and just happened to be there. And I, I remember, and we, I, I'll, I'll tell you, we just, I was just telling it is because they're earlier in that season, there had been a rumor he was going to show up for a right. game. And then last minute it all kind of went away. And then we all went to Nick's on that Friday night and Saturday was the day. And we looked across the bar and, Keith Smart, Keith Smart, Dean Garrett are there, and then we start seeing other guys filter in, and we all just look at each other like, "Oh my God, it's going to happen!" And yeah. it was just I, a staggering moment, you know, to be there because again, I I'm with you. The people I talked to all said it's not going to happen. Like you know, he might he might make peace with it at some point and talk to some people, but he's not going to walk out on that court ever again. And I, you know, I you're right. And the reason that's the reason I asked is because I think this this day would be a lot different if that yeah. hadn't happened. So I'm thankful to 
not only him, but all the people who worked, from what I understand, extremely hard to make that happen, to to bring him home and make it feel like he was welcome. Uh, yeah. The- I mean, Pat Knight, Bob Hamill, Dr. Rink, uh, Scott Dolson, I mean, Mike Woodson, Randy Whitman, Quinn Buckner, all those guys were involved. It took a lot of people to, to get that done. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, I, I know that my, my son has the inside the hall. Uh, website as you guys know and in that video i think he's told me his video alone of that's been watched viewed over a million times I mean, i'm i shocked it's the only one that has the full thing on it anywhere and i've watched it myself uh yeah. I, I, i'm a number of those i don't know how many but a lot yeah. rick you've been around uh coach knight um in a way that the rest of us haven't um what what's something that we wouldn't know that that is part of that good coach night behind the scenes that he didn't want to get credit for that he just that a lot of us did not see um is there is there a story or two or or a remembrance of of something and or in general what did he do cuz man he really built a, a bond with his players and the people who were close uh, and, and a lot of loyalty and 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 we we miss that as as fans and and coaches from afar um, the the good side of, of Coach yeah. Knight. I mean, there's an event down here every year, and, you know, you guys follow it from afar. It's the only time really Mike Woodson and, or the coaches talk in the offseason at Huber's. Uh, and that started with Bob Knight. He, he began coming down here uh, in southern Indiana because he had a lot of friends here. There was a guy, an accountant in New Albany named Bob Shine, who does taxes, and Ned Fow, who's uh, you know on the been on the IU athletics board, his name's on the golf course at IU. He was big friends with Coach Knight, and he would come down uh, here and do a talk every year. The media would not be invited, but he would talk about IU basketball and all different things going on in college sports. And there'd be a you know you'd have to pay to go, and he turned in he raised use it as a fundraiser uh, for the IU library, and that just grew into this huge event. Now now they have a thousand people come to it every year, and the media is invited. I can think of. You know, this is a, something that stuck with me because his son lives in my neighborhood. Ralph Beard was a great basketball player at the University of Kentucky uh, who got suspended um, from playing in the NBA back then because he was uh, accused of being in a point-shaving thing at UK. And kind of, UK kind of disassociated themselves uh, from him. And Coach Knight was such a big student of history that, and he knew what a great player Ralph Beard was, that he reached out to Ralph Beard and would have him come to IU games and have him come to IU practices and and made him feel welcome uh, because Coach Knight had a huge appreciation for his elders. He really, like, you know, Pete Newley always talked about, Claire B., Fred Taylor, uh, older sports writers he usually respected more than younger ones. Uh, So Ralph Beard became a big part of Indiana basketball. I mean, there's a a bunch of stories like that where, you know, he would – he would make people feel welcome or important around IU. He did that with some coaches too that had fallen out of favor, well, Chase, and then it's Locke, Norm Ellenberger right? yeah. were both guys who got in trouble and ended up being on his staff. I mean, Tate's Locke was involved in a cheating scandal at Clemson, and Bob Knight brought him back and had him on the IU staff. So, um, yeah, yeah, he he did that uh, for sure, no doubt about it. And you know, uh, so many coaches that came through. Um, when I was there, it was the first year. It was Donawald and Bliss and Weltlick. All those guys went on to become head coaches somewhere. Tom Miller, Gimmelstab. I mean, he was Coach K. Just pumping. Coach K was a grad assistant when I was a senior yeah. at IU. <laughs> yeah, and he. T- I remember when when 
Coach K came to IU my senior year. It was that 2005 game against Duke. And he just, I remember after the game, because that was, as people talk about, it was one of the loudest crowds they'd ever heard at Assembly Hall. And afterwards, he just gushed for about 10 minutes about not only Knight, obviously, but he talked about Knight extensively. He gushed about Indiana and the program and what Knight built and how that launched him and how that building and all of that stuff. And, you know, he credited Knight with building all of that, building that following and, and building that energy. Um, what is one thing I, I know there's so many different teams over the years, so many different players, so many different, you know, combinations of players even. What is something that stands out to you that you thought was a common thread about his teams? that you covered uh the preparation um you know and playing the game the way that he thought was the right way he didn't put up with a lot of you know the what al mcguire back in the day would call french pastry like here's the way we're going to do this you're going to set the screen in a certain way and you're going to cut here and you're going to help and recover here and that's the way we're going to do it and we're and we're, you're not going to go up and try some kind of fancy dunk shot just lay the ball in or just do a regular dunk don't try and do some ridiculous thing and embarrass yourself because if you did uh you're gonna you know you ask meets bench as we know <laughs> right <that> quote. <laughs> he'd have you out before you hit the floor it's... <laughs> yeah i mean I so many different guys i the way that he um i don't know i mean some of the guys that he turned tommy abernathy was a great example to me that Tommy Abernathy was a really good high school player. He wasn't a, you know, he was an Indiana all-star, but he wasn't like, wouldn't have been some five. He would have been a three-star recruit. He would have been, you know, a decent guy. And he came into Indiana and was a glue guy. And by the time he's the guy who stepped in uh, to replace Steve Green in the 76 team, and he ended up being a really good player and playing in the NBA for a while. He, you know, made Tommy Abernathy take that next step and believe uh, that that he could do things like that. I, I always go back to the first, you know, Steve Green and John Laskowski were part of his first recruiting class, and he got the job pretty late. And Knight showed right off the bat, I'm going to recruit kids from the state of Indiana. He got Laz, he got Green from Silver Creek, Laz was South Bend St. Joseph, Steve Allfeld, Dr. Steve Allfeld, who's from Wabash, and John Campster was from Rossville. And he brought those guys in. None of them were really big-time recruits, but he won with those guys. I mean, that, that just the way he could he could take – he's one of those guys, like we're talking about Bear Bryant, he could take his guys and beat you, and he can take your guys and beat you. Yeah, yeah it, was about the, it was about the system, not yeah. just the players. And the players yeah. made it better, but yeah. – Talking about that first recruiting class, because I – obviously, I, you know, I wasn't I wasn't around, um, but I've, <laughs> from what I've, I've gathered – um, you know, it, Knight was kind of an underwhelming hire for for what people thought. Um, you know, it, I think Al McGuire was like on the short list of folks that people thought Indiana might go after. But I'm I'm just curious on you know kind of the vibe and when IU IU Nation or Hoosier Nation or whatever was like, okay, we got a good one. Yeah, I mean, it was that second year when they went to the Final Four uh, with Buckner, Cruz. Uh, Steve Downing and Steve Green and Ritter might have been the other starter. I don't remember. Uh, it wasn't. A, I mean, Buckner and Downing played. And Downing played briefly in the NBA, not for very long. Buckner played a long time in the NBA, but the rest of those guys weren't superstar players. And then, obviously, the '74 team 
lost the one-game playoff to go to the NCAA tournament to Michigan, which was played in Champaign, Illinois, uh, and then the 75 team, which was my senior year, was just a juggernaut. They, if you go back and check the scores from that team, uh, they've just obliterated people. That was the they were beating teams like 94 to 49 and things like that. Just and, and they played a good schedule. And uh, at that point, you know, they went they went 18 and 0 in back to back seasons in the Big Ten. Amazing. <laughs> Still, I think one of the greatest accomplishments in college basketball history is not only that, but. Just like sports one, history, one game in two years, and it's with your best player injured. You know, right. like I mean, it's just and they might have won that game if he hadn't started. Scott May, he admitted later he made a mistake. Yeah, he, I mean, they had been out for like three or four weeks because he broke his arm at Purdue. Yeah, and then they won their first two NCAA tournament games, and they played Kentucky and Dayton, and only lost ninety-two to ninety. And it's it's great. Uh, Steve Allfield still. Has on, he showed this to me. I talk to him every time I go up there because we were in the same year. And he still has on his phone a picture of a Kentucky player that was standing out of bounds that wasn't called. And if that call would have been made, Indiana might have won the game. That's I mean, I don't know if you read Feinstein's Review. piece And Hamill told me this, but um, that loss burned Coach Knight more than any loss in his career. Yeah. And this is, I mean, after that game, after they won the championship in 76, Hamill said, well, you did it. You got the title. And Knight's response was, should have had two. <laughs> that's, that's a very Bob Knight response. I, I mean, I think my favorite, my favorite scene from, from season on a brink is on, is on the brink is, is that last one with, with, you know, Alford in the locker room and he knows his coach so well that, you know, he, he, he finally compliments him and he finally gets this validation and then Knight leaves the room and he goes, yeah, damn it, Bailey would have done it better. You know, like that's just, <laughs> it's just such a, and Damon Bailey, for those who don't know, was in high school at the time, but Knight would always say that Bailey was better than everybody on his team and they just won a national title and, and offers just like, yeah, Bailey would have done it better. I, it's just that nobody has ever known their coach better than that sentence, quite frankly. No doubt about it. So we we could kind of go around the horn on this one, but he's he was a great basketball mind. Tony brought this up um, at the end of segment one about how flexible he was. Everyone talks about discipline, and yes, he was man to man and motion. But that 1987 game when he ran UNLV out of that semifinal was an example of being flexible. The giving Isaiah Thomas a little more freedom than he normally would have uh, was. Uh, that is why I think he was a basketball genius, not just refining the motion offense. but And, Rick, you brought up, too, that he won with players uh, that a lot of people couldn't win with. Um, but that was his genius. What what do we think here uh, as a panel? What, what was his best basketball strategy, best example of that mind? I'll start with Tony and then Ryan and come back and end with you, Rick, real quick. What, okay. what one attribute of basketball skill that he taught – uh, do you think um, is was his very best attribute? Uh, my mine isn't even a skill, but it's it's the buy-in that he got day in day out to you know the it's the old sum of the parts is greater than the whole um, type mentality, but the buy-in that he got from each and every individual on his team to you know somebody just mentioned it he had one NBA All Star ever on any team and, and Isaiah Thomas. Um, so for me, it's, that's so hard to do as a coach to get, you know, all of these individuals to buy in for the greater good. And, you know, he, 
he had a demanding way about him for sure. But, you know, that at the same time, like, you know, he always said that he had an exercise where he would say, name your two best teachers you've ever had in your life. And players would write down the two. And he would say, now name, now write down your two most demanding teachers you had in your life. And he said, unequivocally, it was almost always the same two. Um, and, and so, you know, he, and then that was his way to say, like, look, I'm going to be demanding to you and you're going to appreciate it later, which they you're did. Ready to and add they, somebody to the list. <laughs> yeah. And they did. Like, that's the thing is they did. And they, the loyalty is there. And you see it in the outpouring of support, um, you know, throughout these last 24 hours or so and and just the loyalty they had and mike woodson mentioned it today um they said what's the number one thing you take away from coach knight that you now implement in your coaching career and he said that i want my players to know i will always be here for you and that's that's completely outside of of basketball you know that's that's a life skill that he's teaching and so just have again it goes back to just the buy-in of of the whole program and it truly is a family and you know we're going to get on you and i'm he, you know he's going to get on you but at the same time um you know it's for the greater good and and that's not easy to do and he was a master at it but it is for basketball me, also and, and you, absolutely you know, when you get that buy-in as a coach and, and those guys trust you and they can put up with the good the bad whatever's going on they're going to put up with that adversity on on the floor too so yes it, it was in and out of that program, to be honest with you. Ryan, your, your thoughts about the basketball genius uh, that, that uh, he was. For me, it comes down to development. And it wasn't just developing guys on the court. It was developing guys off the court. Look how many wildly successful people he coached who wound up being wildly successful in things other than basketball. He created – or he helped to develop. I, I won't give him all the credit because those people have parents and things as well and previous teachers. But he developed – people as well as anything and i think the two things he would take pride in that go hand in hand with that is he didn't cheat and everybody graduated and that that goes into development you're developing the right people they didn't violate he, he hated the ncaa for so many reasons but he never broke their rules and he also graduated everybody and those guys whether it was from his teaching or what the lion's share of those guys, the mass majority of those guys went on to be successful in life after coaching him. Because quite frankly, if you could survive Hurricane Night, you could probably survive anything out in the world. So I, I think that it it that to me is the thing that stands out the most about him. And that is a basketball thing as well because it translates to the court. If everybody's yeah. bought in, everybody's being taught, everybody's being developed, that translates. Yeah, um, and I'd say don't forget the student managers because they're a part of that too. The oh, yeah, for sure. Part of that Very group. Cool. You can look at the superintendent of schools in Louisville as a former IU student manager, or Lawrence Frank. You can go on and on all the different IU student managers who have been successful in life. I would say it was his ability to know what he wanted uh, in players, what qualities that were important. And the physical wasn't always the most. The mental was just as important. Was, he, was this a player who was willing to be an Indiana basketball player and do the things that he expected Indiana basketball players to do, where it really was about the name on the front, because the names never went on the back. He he didn't he didn't want guy. He wasn't going to take some guy who just because he was a great player who was going to be about him. He would rather take a little bit lesser player who was going to be coachable and fit into the system and respond to his teaching. Uh, and it didn't always work. Sometimes guys uh, thought they could handle it, but couldn't. 
but he wasn't going to change what his ideals were for anybody like that. Yeah, there we go. Four is, four is to one as mental as the physical. Exactly right. One of, uh, one of his most famous quotes and long lasting quotes, um, you know, um, I find it fascinating that I asked about basketball and I got program stuff from each one of you, I think, which speaks of his genius because the, that program stuff allows the X's and O's, the motion offense, the man-to-man defense to work at its finest. And, and, and Rick, there was a, a take in earlier in the, in the chat that said something about um, he did recruit the players that he wanted. Everyone says he did, uh, and, and I think it's accurate, he did more with less but he sometimes wanted less, as you said, uh, because he knew that was going to be able. They were going to be able to be on the helpline. They were going to close out correctly. They were going to block out. They were going to do those things, and that he could uh, elevate elevate their play. I, I, I want to piggyback on on the taking care of your players. Um, my brother in law was asked to walk on in the ninety three ninety four season after his football season. Ross Hales. Um, and, and I have a, a bunch of stories, some I can share and some I told Ross I would never, never share um, that are just great stories. But, um, you know, the, the thing that I appreciate the most of, about Coach Knight with his relationship with his players, Ross played for him for about six months. Uh, I worked his camp later uh, and, and uh, went up uh, and they were getting pictures taken. And my buddy of mine said, let's go get a picture taken. And then he told Coach Knight, hey, uh, Coach Tonsoni is related to Ross Hales. And all of a sudden, he put Coach Knight puts his arm around me. How's Ross doing? I mean, this kid only played for him for six months, got in like four minutes of play up at Minnesota when he was the goon and the 54-point blowout. But he said, hey, I, I hear Ross is going into coaching. Are you sure he wants to do – I mean, all of a sudden, he was asking me questions. Here's this – this basketball mind, this championship coach, uh, and he's asking a guy he just met who's a camp counselor about a former player he had for six months. Um, th- th- those are, are the things, you know, that, uh, that for me, along with the basketball influence he had on me as a high school basketball coach, th- those are meaningful things. And I do think that is why he was a basketball genius. Um, you know, there's a lot of strategy out there, Tony and, 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 and Rick and Ryan, that whether you play zone or man or run flex or whatever else, but it's how you get that communicated and executed. And, and that's where I think his genius um, really, really, really stood out. Do we have a favorite? Uh, uh, this is hard for me uh, because there's so many, but I wrote down favorite night team or a game or a player. Um, for us, do we have, uh, is, is there anything we'll start with Rick and then go back around the horn? Uh, wow. Favorite? Uh, favorite, favorite player for me is always going to be Quinn Buckner, uh, because it's impossible for people today to understand what it, that was the most essential recruit recruit that Bob Knight ever received. It got Quinn Buckner, uh, was a multi-sports star from Thornridge high school in Illinois, which I think they were back-to-back undefeated state champions. Could have gone to UCLA when UCLA was winning all those championships in a row. Could have gone to Michigan. Uh, his dad, though, was an IU grad and an educator. And Coach Knight sold uh, Quinn Buckner's dad on him coming to IU for a coach who'd been there for one year uh, to believe in his vision of that he was going to make sure he got an education uh, as well as be a really good basketball player. And Buckner coming to IU, uh, you know, they went to the Final Four the first year, then this third year they had the great season until may got hurt and then he won the championship and that was he's the guy i mean and there's no i won't listen to any other name <laughs> you and the I, that's, that's, uh, i'm the, uh, the fan club president uh, in our community of the quinn buckner fan um and, and 
You know, I said before you got on, Rick, that what Knight did for me was that was my dad and I, when I was 10 years old in 76, uh, we sat down and watched Channel 4, and my dad loved Quinn Buckner, and therefore Quinn Buckner just became uh, the guy for me. Because and of guess that what? He's now, on the, he's now on the board of trustees of the chairman of board of trustees. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Ryan, favorite team, favorite uh, player? I know, like you guys, you younger guys didn't live through that or, or, or weren't, yeah. um, you know, Rick and I, um, a little bit older, uh, witnessed. I, I'd say 93 probably was one that I saw them play enough on television out here in, in uh, Southern California. When it wasn't super sunny, we'd come in and watch basketball occasionally, you know. Um, but no, uh, Calbert was my favorite player. I loved Calbert. I mean, even from here, I'd watch him as often as I could. I absolutely loved watching Calbert play. Um, so I, that has to be my answer. Obviously, I don't have as as long an extensive history as some of you other guys and, and didn't get to see them all the time on television. But that was my guy. I loved watching Calbert play. Tony, uh, as the youngest here on the panel, um, do you have any favorite teams or players from that era? Take a shot at my favorite player. Jared Jeffries. I, I was a Jared Jeffries fan, but I was more of Jared Jeffries on the, the title run. So my, my favorite night player was A.J. Guyton. Um, that makes sense. There you go. And, and, but my favorite game to watch – it's probably the UNLV game, um, but then Syracuse is number two in '87. Like I've I've rewatched that so many times, um, and just envision like that in the modern times of like where what Twitter would be doing, and like uh, you know, I, I've even envisioned like what would Ryan tweet if IU won a national championship? Something that, <laughs> something that would enrage people. <laughs> Let's be real. It's uh, something you get me yelled at. Uh, but that's a that's a fun game that I I'd like to go back and watch at least once a year. Um, a lot of times I'll watch it the night before March Madness starts. Um, but yeah, I mean it, it just like I said, I've I've watched so much of like old film thanks to the folks that throw them up on YouTube. Um, that it's I don't have necessarily have a favorite team just because I've, I've watched various but that 87 game um and really that 87 run is is a ton of fun for me to to go back on yeah one of my favorite things that we've done was during the covid year we didn't have a tournament Ooh. we did rewatches of famous tournament games and i got to see a couple of the night games that i hadn't seen before i'd never seen the 76 championship game i had never and and so to get to watch that and uh re-watch them beating Shaq in the in the you know and just and boys i was at that game yeah i mean just a such a fun game it really was and you know i just remember everybody loved Shaq at that time so indiana was kind of the bad guy in that one because everybody loved watching Shaq play and um you know just some of those there were a couple others that were just so much fun to watch those and those teams played so damn hard like you know, there was the there was the skill, and there was all of that, and the talent, and the and the offense was always run beautifully, and all of that. But they just played so hard. Like I just, it gave me the feeling of opposing teams playing Indiana sometimes it had to be like that scene from Rudy where he's in the trainer's room, just getting taped all over his body because <laughs> you, you knew when you played in a night team, it was a lot like when you played night when he was at Ohio State. You knew you played him. Um, so that was a lot of fun. All of those were a great, a great you know, trip down memory lane there for me, uh, you I've seen three championships. Um, 
87, I was a sophomore. Those memories of, of running to the fountain and greeting the team the next day, uh, just a tremendous 81 with uh, my my guy on there was Ray Tolbert. I loved him running down the one-hand dunks that, that he used to throw down. But I, I came to love Indiana basketball in 1975 uh, with that team, uh, watching it on Channel 4 with Dad uh, and, and Quinn Buckner and Bobby Wilkerson and, and, and that that whole group in 76 will, will forever go down. So as we end uh, segment two here, remembering Coach Knight, and we'll come back in segment three and, and, and take some maybe thoughts from the community, uh, the chat, and, and finish this up. I'm going to ask the panel, um, how are you going to remember Coach Knight? Uh, we'll start with you, Rick. <sighs> the most compelling and complicated and complex sports figure I've ever covered. Um, terrific intellect, great motivator, um, winner. Uh, I guess my only wish would be that in some way he could have controlled uh, some of his behavior or temper in ways that would have allowed him to be even greater. And it, that was the one flaw in him that, you know, that stopped him from achieving even more than he achieved in his career. Um, so, you know, just the, uh, every time you thought you had him figured out, he showed you that you didn't. <laughs> Ryan, how are you going to remember Coach Knight? You know, again, as you know, I got to Indiana in 2003, so sort of the hangover from from his departure was already starting to clear a little bit. Um, what I'm going to remember about Coach Knight has everything to do with what you guys are talking about, which is your memories of him and 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 how much just the profound impact his life and development of people and uh just what getting to watch those seemed what it meant to you guys and 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 more so than anything to me directly it's the way people talk about him and 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 whether they were in awe of him whether they directly saw his humanity good or bad uh it's he had an impact on everybody he encountered and i think that's what i'm going to remember about him it's not basketball it, although it's that's sort of tangentially related it's it's jared talking about watching games with his dad it's you coach talking about your dad calling you the night of the 87 championship game it's rick you your story where you're sitting at the you know at the newspaper and he comes over your shoulder i mean that that's just there's so many of those and uh and it's just little moments that impacted people that they'll never forget and i think that's the thing i'm going to remember the most that this was a larger than life figure who meant so much to people on so many different levels, whether it was a small gesture or whether it was a championship. Um, so th I think that's what it is. And that that's who he was. I mean, very rarely in sports and, and Rick and I do this for a living and you meet a lot of people in sports and very rarely do you meet somebody who, when you actually meet them are larger than life. And he was one of them. And you know, a lot of people have a reputation that's larger than life. You meet them and you're kind of disappointed. I, I have a feeling nobody was really that disappointed when they met, when they met coach Knight. Tony well said, yeah, uh, you know, as Ryan said, larger than life figure. Um, you know, and I'm going to use his, his own words. Uh, you know, I, I ran across an old interview as I was watching things yesterday, and I tweeted it out. Um, I think it was with Mark Patrick had asked him, "What does it say under Bob Knight on your tombstone?" And he basically kind of thought about it for quite some time, and he said, "I think it would simply say he was honest." He did what he thought was right, and he really didn't kiss anybody's ass. And oh. then, 
<laughs> and then he pauses. <laughs> he pauses for quite some time, and then he says, uh, "He says, yeah, I think I'd be happy with that." And he said, "I might just put a little P.S. on that epitaph, and it would read like this." And every once in a while, he did think that he was wrong, and so it it, it showed some humility that you really never saw from him publicly. Um, and so you know, it's kind of using his own words, like, uh, and exactly how he wanted to be described is essentially who he was to me so that's that's kind of where i'm at with it as well yeah yeah there, there's many ways uh, you guys bring up some good points uh, for me it, it will be you know he was great he was great at what he did uh, he was who he was which i think is a great story for all of us um and, and also that you can be great even even if you have some flaws uh in, in certain areas and, and that that humility piece tony then you know, I think he was he was probably aware of that. Um, and, you know, there will be a time when everyone will go back over and talk about the full context of his career. Tonight we were just going to sit back and, and, and remember uh, Coach Knight. But for me, just an outstanding uh, leader uh, who was able to get the most out of people and then he cared about those people. Uh, and, and so that's the positive side of him and that's the side that I'm going to remember um, uh, going forward. Uh, I thank all of you uh, for for uh, th those thoughts and those memories. Coming up on Assembly Call Radio, we'll take some questions out of the chat. There, we, we moved to the Substack, and we didn't get a, a whole lot of questions today, and I don't know what kind of questions we have on a night like this, but we'll stick around for a few minutes uh, after that. Uh, stick with us uh, here on Assembly Call Radio. All right, Rick, if you want to stick around, you Thanks, can. Rick. I don't know how much longer yeah. we're going to go um, if there's That's any fine. questions in the chat. Okay, um, we'll I'll get this kick-started and try to get out of here in the next 15 minutes or so. All right, we'll just jump right in it. Just roll right in. Yep. This is Jordan Halls, and I never miss a shot or an episode of The Assembly Call. Welcome back to Assembly Call Radio. Uh, I'm the coach, Brian Tonsoni, uh, back here with um, Tony Adrania, Ryan Phillips, and, and Rick Bozich as we remember uh, the man, uh, Bob Knight, uh, after he passed away yesterday. Uh, if you're in the chat, live chat, and you have something you would like uh, to ask uh, any of us, uh, go ahead and try to throw that in. We'll try to get to some here in the next 10 or 15 minutes. Um, and so... We'll go to Brett, um, and we'll throw this out. Whoever wants to answer, um, does the passing of, of Coach Wood uh, of of Coach Knight impact uh, Coach Woodson's tenure um, at IU? Uh, I, thoughts: Is it going to make a, any difference, or I I don't see it making any difference. Um, you know, I I think Coach Woodson has kind of has a time had a time frame in mind when he took the job, and. Um, I don't. I don't think this affects that uh, personally. But obviously, just speaking from personal opinion, not from you know anything sourced or anything like that. If, if anything, yeah. I think it enhances his want to win. You know, he wants Indiana basketball back exactly. in winning ways. Exactly. Uh, you know, he wanted to do it anyway, and he wanted to do it for Coach Knight. But now that Coach Knight is gone, um, 
you know, I, I think it enhances what he came back to do. Uh, I, I think yeah. that would be the impact. Yeah, I think it might add a little extra motivation to some of the veterans on the team as well this year. You know, Trey and, and Xavier Johnson, who know what that means. I mean, the younger guys, I'm sure, know what it means, but it, I think it's, you know, they know Woodson a little better and know how important that is. And so I think that, that there may be a little extra oomph there. Um, but yeah, I, I think if anything, it, it, it just enhances things. I think it'll be uh, another reason for him to talk to the players about who Coach Knight was and why he was yeah. so important and what he, what it means to be an Indiana basketball player. Uh, that that's what I think. Is um, again, put your questions in there for the next ten or fifteen minutes. We're probably going to stay away from uh, exhibition and and recruiting news uh, tonight. We can do that after we officially end the show. I can answer some of those questions, traveling uh, Hoosier, but. Um, yeah, does this help um, end the divide that, that that's been some of the basketball between some of that old guard and, and new guard? You know, Woodson has done a good job of, I think, bringing the fan base back. Um, you know, um, it, it, is this a, a, a soothing? You know, we, we never want someone to, to leave us, but is this going to help continue to um, do what Coach Woodson has done by, by his hire? Rick, we'll start. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he already did it by not only having uh, – well, Archie was the coach when he came back for the Purdue game. But, it, I mean, him having Coach Knight come to practice on a regular basis the last couple of years, um, you know, having Buckner and May around more than they were before yeah. and Whitman and those guys, um, uh, having Scott Dolson and former IU student manager being there and understanding it all. I mean, there it's been – gravitating in that direction for a number of years. And a lot of the people who were older coach night night, you know, only people, um, you know, aren't around anymore. And I think that uh, the, the fan base is more unified than it has been in a long time. And most people that are uh, around IU basketball, their primary interest is, you know, just win, uh, just get back to doing what coach Knight did, which was win. Yeah. I'll say this. I think that, and I've thought this since Woodson was the coach, but I think this even enhances it more is that, um, I think it's going to make life a lot easier on whoever comes next. Cause we, I mean, I'm not, you know, counting down the days till Woodson's gone, but we all know he's not going to be here for another 15 years. So I do think that now that all of this is out of the way that coach Knight came back, all these older, you know, players have come back and been involved in the programming. Coach Knight was doing things like being at practice and now he's passed on seemingly at peace with the university. I think whoever comes next is going to have a lot easier job uniting that fan base. I really do. And I, and I've thought that it's funny. I thought that when Archie came back or when he came back under Archie and it's really funny to think that Woodson was there and I, I, it has crossed my mind. Was he measuring the office curtains at that, you know, in that meeting, maybe kind of <laughs> eyeing a few things like, well, I'd, I'd move the bench a little to the right there. And then I would do the, you know, um, so it was interesting that the guy was in the arena that day uh, when Knight came back. But I, I do think that it's just going to make life easier for Indiana basketball moving forward. Um, everything, not not his passing, but everything that's happened over the last four years, I think, uh, really will be a transformative experience for this program. That for a long time, it felt like a fracture existed. And, you know, my entire experience at Indiana from 2003 till he came back in 2020, the entire time felt like there was just a big split in the fan base, in the former players, in everything. And that sort of has slowly melted away. So, 
Dale says that he knows several people who quit watching uh, after the Coach Knight left that are now starting to come back under Coach Woodson. Um, so again, I mean, there were people that when I would drive from when I lived in New Albany to Bloomington for games that were flying Texas Tech flags in their yards. And yep, stuff. Yeah, I remember that. I was there for <laughs> those that. are weird times. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's hard to imagine. It's hard to imagine Coach Knight in Lubbock. It still is. I know it happened for mm-hmm. years, but it's still it's still an odd thing to imagine. It's yes, hard it, to imagine anybody in Lubbock, quite frankly. But Coach Knight, just I mean, it seems like uh, it's just an odd fit. Do do um do we feel? I know uh, the the family and Coach didn't want any uh, you know memorial service or anything like that. Um, is, is there is there a chance of any kind of permanent? Um, remembrance of coach Knight in or around assembly hall or or is that something that uh that is not needed um you know several uh, people a couple of people in the chat thought about they, they mentioned a statue or naming this or naming that um um is that something rick you think the family would want or or iu would want should they should they do that i mean this guy was was indiana basketball for so long and as coach woodson said still kind of is indiana basketball yeah, I mean, I don't know Patrick well enough to know, or Tim, uh, or his wife Karen, um, but I think a lot of his former players, especially the ones who were there in the early years, would like it there. There's the statue with the six guys from the 76 team, and you know he should have been part of that. I, I'm sure it wasn't done because at the time they knew his wishes was were not to be associated with IU basketball, but uh, some of the wounds have healed, and I think a statue is certainly uh, something that, that should be should should happen yeah i i think that the further we get away from some of the controversy the easier the more palatable that becomes for everybody um and and i think the university is cognizant of some of those things uh but at the same time i think that you know the man is is no longer here i think that that it's perfectly fine to honor him in some way if for nothing else than to have an image of him frozen in time that's not throwing a chair that's not berating an official have find a great moment from his career and and make that the image people see uh if i had to say i don't believe the court will be named after him i don't believe the arena will be named after him unless they move to another arena which i've advocated for for years (laughs) we'll get into that um but 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 that you know until they do that i think that everything's going to stay as is as far as that goes but a statue is certainly um is certainly something that uh that would be yeah they should name the the officials locker room should be named after (laughs) should be named after bob knight Um, yeah. No, but but I do think a statue is is what makes the most sense. And to put it even outside, you know, under an overhang or something, though it's the first thing people see when they enter or something like that. I think that would be that would be a uh, a fitting tribute. Yeah, I think I think a lot of folks forget that the court is named after somebody already. I've yeah. seen a lot of that uh, talking about the court and stuff. But you know, that's uh, to me that wouldn't be the right thing to do is just rip Branch McCracken off of the court um you know i've i've said like you know maybe the athletic complex like the whole you know memorial stadium and um cook hall and assembly hall and all that maybe they could name that some something on after him if you're thinking about naming things um but to me yeah some sort of statue of some sort i had heard again not well-sourced info that he wasn't really interested in anything that and his family wasn't super interested in in that um and you know and if that's what he wants. Like, 
by all means they should should absolutely respect that yeah um so you know i'm i'm all for you know getting creative like the administration's in place right now for for something to happen if if you know if that was going to come to fruition you've got dolson and Woodson and those guys um so to me I, i think they're well aware of wanting to honor him but at the same time you know being being cognizant of, of what he wished and his family wished as well. Fellas, as we wrap up this night of remembrance of, of Coach Knight, I'm just going to send it back around uh, for final thoughts, um, and, and you can take that uh, where, wherever you want. I'll start it off, and then I'll, I'll wrap up the show after all of you are done. Um, Coach Knight was Indiana basketball, uh, and, and Indiana basketball struggled since he's left. Uh, it's on its way back. How quick we can have a whole show about uh, about that and, and, and talk about that. But you do get the feeling, I know, from 76 and 87 when I was in college and that it, it's starting to feel like that. Uh, again, I credit, um, you know, Coach Woodson uh, for, for doing what he can to, to make that happen. But 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 Coach Knight was just bigger than than anything. You know, Ryan's talked about his impact. I think that's just a great way to look about look at that. And as a coach myself, uh, and any anyone who's in a profession, you want to you want to be great, and you can take a lot of what Coach Knight has done on the court with his players, behind the scenes, Huber, uh, Huber's down there in Louisville, all those things we talked about tonight, and and he was great, um, and and he was great, and you can learn from that, and that's that's how I'm going to go forward, and I wish his family nothing but the best. Uh, the Indiana basketball family, I know a lot of players and coaches are, are grieving in their own ways. Uh, you know, thoughts and prayers and, 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 and sympathies out to everyone involved uh, with that. Tony, final thoughts. Yeah, <clears throat> my final thoughts are, and I just want to take a moment that, um, you know, whatever foundation that the family is asking for donations for, Alzheimer's is a nasty, nasty disease, um, you know, along with dementia. And so I, I would encourage if you have the means to, to donate to that, to, to find ways to, to, you know, help mitigate that disease. Cause it, it's nasty and you're stripped of your mind and, and you know, that's, it's just rough. It's hard. Um, and, and so to me that, you know, I, I've seen folks struggle with that, that were close to me. And so it hits a little bit close to home in, in that regard. Um, and so that's, that's kind of what I want to end with is, is, um, you know, I, I know that IU put out that they were there was some sort of foundation they would ask folks to give to. Um, I would just encourage taking a long hard look at that um, if you have the means um, do. And you know, as Coach said, Bob Knight was and and I think Mike Woods even says was and is Indiana basketball. And um, you know, may he rest in peace. Ryan. Yeah, I mean, a giant is is has passed, and and you know, anytime that happens, that's just a momentous day for everybody involved. And, and um, I appreciate all the remembrances. Rick wrote a great piece about it. I think I'd encourage everybody to go read it. There've been some others all over the place. Go read as much as you can, especially if you're like me and you know, you weren't, you didn't grow up in Indiana. You didn't, you weren't around when he was, uh, you know, having his greatest seasons and all that. I I would just encourage everybody to learn as much as you can about him. Um, You know, it's certainly a, a different world a day later than it was yesterday. And um, I, again, just encourage everybody to, to sort of, before you make judgments about a person, you learn as much as you can about them. Your, your opinion may not change, uh, but I think it's worth, if we're going to make pronouncements about somebody, learn, learn every aspect 
about them. And as I said, to open the show, I mean, uh, one of the most human people ever, uh, you know, certainly in his faults and, and his successes were on display for the world to see at all times. And he meant a lot to a lot of people. Um, he was a villain to a lot of people. Um, but I think that he just is, he was a human being and, and human beings have flaws and they have great things about them as well. And, and I think that we can all sort of, you know, take what we want from, from coach Knight. It's a canvas on which to, to, to find your, your personal thoughts about him. And you can find a justification for just about anything, but he is a man who, who certainly meant a lot to a lot of people. And, uh, I think that anybody who, who passes on from the world, having made that big an impact can be proud of what they've accomplished. Rick, I mean, I'd, say, I, I, I'd, I'd go along with what Ryan said, read Bob Hamill's biography of Bob Knight, read Frank DeFord's profile called The Rabbit Hunter. It's a great Sports piece. Illustrated, which really gets inside of his psyche. Learn as much as you can on him, not just some of the crazy YouTube clips of, of him going off at press conferences uh, on stupid sports writers like me asking dumb questions. Uh, at his peak, he was... I mean, he was Indiana University in a lot of ways. I mean, he was the face of Indiana University. Uh, certainly, a, he commanded the attention of the entire state. He commanded the attention of all of college basketball. It was like, what? What does Knight think? What's Knight doing? What did Knight do? You know, in, in this in this situation. And the other takeaway I would have is um, look at the legacy that he had of the guys who played for him and what they have ended up doing in their lives, whether they're doctors, their businessmen, their educators, their uh, pro team executives, whatever. I mean, you could the, the list of success stories of guys that played for Coach Knight is pretty staggering if you if you take your time to research it. Uh, and that was uh, certainly the, a credit to the to the players who, who who were raised by their parents, but Coach Knight made sure that when you came to Indiana, uh, you were going to be a basketball player, but you were going to be uh, a student in the university uh, and and take the academic part of it very seriously. And uh, I don't think we always see that. We didn't see it back then, but he made sure that was the case. That's going to do it. Um, thanks, Tony, uh, for, for being here and, and your well-thought comments. Ryan, the same to you. And, and Rick, always good to, to talk to you. And thanks for sharing your stories uh, Bob Knight, uh, Indiana University basketball coach, uh, three national championships. May you rest in peace. And that'll do it for this week's episode of Assembly Call Radio. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for this live broadcast of the Assembly Call Radio recording. Thanks to Bob Thompson for producing our music, and thanks to John Ringer of rigdesign.com for designing our logos. And thank you for listening. Until then, take it from me, Yogi Farrell. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. All right, fellas. That that's a good job right. today. I uh. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. We'll see you. All right. See you guys. Bye. Take care. Yeah. Thanks, everyone who is in the chat mob. Appreciate Bye, it. Um, well done. Uh, make sure you go to our sub stack uh, for the new community. If you have any information, reach out to Jared or anyone uh, except for Ryan. Uh, we could point you no, in, no. The right, in the right spot <laughs> on that. Uh, no. it, it, it's 
looking good. I got and, enough and going on. I don't need another website to yeah. log on. Um, Everybody go do it. it. Go do it. Go do it. Yeah, on the show. But we do have an exhibition game tomorrow. We will be back with the post game show uh, after that uh, to talk some some basketball. Who's... But we hope uh, we were. Um, we were able to uh, help you through uh, uh, whatever you're feeling about Coach Knight and hope we, we did it professionally enough for you. Uh, I, I lost a little sleep on how to do this. Um, you know, um, it, it hit hard. It hit late uh, on Wednesday. And, and so I, I hope that we uh, provided um, uh, something for, for all of you. Ryan, did you have something? Oh, I was just going to say, who's going to be on for the postgame show tomorrow? I, I think – uh, Andy and I, I know I'm hosting. I might just do it solo. I don't know. Yeah, I might. I might. I, I'm going to try and hop on. It's a weird time okay. here. It's at three thirty, yeah. so it's yeah. just a weird time. So I'll try and hop on. Yep, I know I'm hosting. So, all righty, everybody, have a good evening. Bless you all. Be safe. Hug your loved ones. We'll see you tomorrow. See you guys. Bye, guys. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.